Welcome to the Midlife Pilot Podcast. It's a podcast all about aviation and flying in midlife, surviving COVID-19, and uh, all the things that go along with it in our world. My name's Chris. I'm uh, the Midlife Pilot on YouTube. And uh, to my right, your left on screen is uh, Brian Siskind, also Midlife Pilot, uh, music producer, filmmaker, uh, Nashville Antonian. Um, <laughs> Problem child. Yeah, my didn't mute my notifications either. This is this is starting off really well. How are you, sir? <laughs> Man, I, I'm I'm great. Um, I've actually flown a few times this week. I had a long stint of not doing that because it's been 147 degrees every day, and uh, yeah. so I've just been doing the the 6 a.m. Uh, flying kind of thing and getting ready for a big long trip. So I'm super excited and you know how it goes with, uh, with aviation, uh, after you get your license, you know, you kind of, you get that hungry, uh, if you haven't even gone for a couple of weeks, you sort of feel like, yeah, <laughs> I right. got, you know, it's, it's, it's leaving me, it's leaving me, which is not, but you just feel like it is. Um, so anyway, so yeah, I've been good, man. Uh, I know that you've been, uh, in, uh, some sort of self-imposed prison. Yeah, I've been in a uh, 18 by, I don't know, 15, 18 by 15 room uh, now on day number nine that I've been in this room and uh, <clears throat> I've had COVID. I tested positive with symptoms last Tuesday and uh, pretty mild, though, really lucky in the grand scheme. Didn't have any, you know, of the scary symptoms, the respiratory stuff or whatever. Um, yeah. had, a, had a bad fever for a couple of days, like pushing almost 104. Um, felt pretty miserable those two days, but really just um, trying to stay away from other people as much as possible and keep it to myself. Um, but so I have not been flying. I have been uh, isolating, and I. Uh, the breaking news uh, today is I got a call from uh, um, someone who has five two Lima, the Cessna one seventy two from our club, uh, away out of town uh, currently, and was actually taking a commercial check ride today in it, and did a power off one eighty, and went to go full power to take off again after landing, and the engine would only make like two thousand RPM at full power and uh this is an engine that is approaching an overhaul time oh. and so there is some serious question about um whether it may be happening earlier than anticipated although we had somebody on the field look at it they're they're meeting back at 7 a.m tomorrow to really go through it and figure out what the problem is but there is some speculation and this would be the best news that it's electronic and has it's in the ignition it's in the key it's you know it could it like a short in the in the actual key that keeps oh. the magnetos firing it properly so we're hoping oh so maybe it's just running on one even that's though what it's we're on hoping both okay. yeah that so would actually make sense they're going to do some digging tomorrow but that's literally been the breaking news this afternoon that i've been like scrambling to try to coordinate like you know it's all the complications of having a plane in a club like it's scheduled tomorrow afternoon here. Somebody else is supposed to have it. So I got to tell them like, it's probably not going to be back tomorrow, blah, blah. So just working yeah. the logistics of the plane being four hours away. So, uh, that's pretty exciting. As, um, as much as I lament not being an airplane owner, there are so many times where I take pause and say, thank God 
that I'm not an airplane owner at this time. When I hear about, I mean, even just what the hundred hour was for the plane that I usually fly, just, you know, it's just, that's a lot, man. It's a lot. So ultimately it's almost like you have to buy two planes so that you always have one to fly. Exactly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so super excited about the conversation tonight. And I've, you know, we always count on people to, um, provide us, um, feedback and, and thoughts because we like to put them on the screen. And I know you have a lot of gadgets over there, Chris, where you can press buttons and we want to keep Chris busy. So, um, let's get the chat in there. But basically what we wanted to sort of get into tonight, and I had just been talking to, uh, I don't know where our guest went, uh, but hopefully he's, oh, hey, look at that. Hello. You said you wanted me to push buttons, so I. Oh, man, that's like the weakest intro ever. That was the least exciting. It's <laughs> like, where's our guest? Oh, there he is. Here he is. Uh, oh, so there you are. Welcome. We should introduce uh, our guest. Thank you. Ben, ben put his name in as Ben, but it should say The Sage. Um. Ben is really uh, good at taking compliments, uh, being held at high, in high regard. He likes being called sir. Uh, no, he's Ben is the most humble dude in the world. But um, for anybody that saw the video that I just put out a week or two ago, um, Ben is the the guy that rescued uh, me off of uh, Ocracoke Island at the Midlife Pilot Fly-In. And, um, and we couldn't be happier to have him on with us um, tonight because what we're going to be talking about is advice that we've gotten from more experienced pilots that has been particularly valuable and a little bit of backstory. I, um, and sorry, Ben, I will let you talk. I swear to God at some point, I know you're just dying. To, I'm fine just um, sitting here. <laughs> so a little background on the topic and what we kind of want to get from people is, um, I've always made it a point to try and whenever I meet a pilot that clearly has more experience, which is most pilots other than myself, I'm always interested to sort of pull a nugget from them of wisdom. Um, even if it's in passing. So I was, you know, at the airport at six o'clock this morning, the front desk wasn't even there, but there were a couple of guys, uh, who were just, uh, were getting ready to do a charter jet flight. And we, we just kind of got to chatting and I just asked one of the guys, I just said, you know, what, what is a bit of advice? Like what's a nugget that you would have for a, a newer, less experienced pilot? Uh, if you had to pass on one thing, you know, what would you say? Uh, and I've done this a lot uh, with a lot of different people that I've come across and gotten a lot of really interesting things, but there's something about the process of asking people in this way in passing, you're not having a long labored conversation with somebody about all these different points. You know, it's like they've got one opportunity to think of one thing that comes to mind and it really, really sticks. Um, so this morning, the thing the guy said, you know, it wasn't like a landmark thing and it wasn't anything I didn't know about, but I still give extra weight or credibility to it because it's something that he took the time to tell me. And so this morning, what he said was, um, he said, um, he said, you know, uh, pay attention to in route weather. And I just thought, okay, if my first thought was like, well, you know, duh, of course, you know, but it really made me kind of take pause for a minute because you do tend to get focused on the weather where you're taking off and the weather in your destination. It doesn't mean you don't look at weather along the way, but are you really looking at it with the same scrutiny and at a wide enough scope or scale, um, you know, be weary of, uh, uh, in route weather, you know, it wasn't like anything, uh, landmark, you know, but I have a, 
uh, trip coming up where I, it just made me really think like, I'm going to give a little bit of extra t- attention to in route weather. So that's just one of many things and we'll get to more of them, but, um, but Ben, uh, what, so, what, you know what, to that yeah. point, Brian, yeah, man, we, we all learned when we were going through private pilot that be careful for embedded thunderstorms that you could be flying over, um, you know, do a VFR over the top and they're, you know, watch out for these embedded thunderstorms. But I haven't thought about that until you just told that story where this pot says, be careful with the in route weather. Cause that's the same thing. Um, mm. You may think that it's just overcast over your route of flight, but there, especially this time of the year, there could be thunderstorms. Uh, it happened to me today. So I, I think that's a very, vi- it, even though it's a small nugget, it's extremely valuable. Even with somebody with more hours, I get something out of that. Yeah. Um, so w- 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 tell me about your flight today, Ben. Where did you fly to and from and, and what happened? <laughs> or no, didn't I happen? mean, so I've, for those in the chat, uh, the first thing I want to say is with the regard of the nickname Sage, I just want you all to know it's kind of like I'm the kid that was held back in middle school. And so I'm now the oldest in the class, but I am not necessarily the, the end all be all. So I just want everybody to be aware of that. Um, and, and y'all, I preach about IFR. I know Wendell Geese going through it, but today was like a perfect IFR day. And it has rapidly become my favorite time to fly. Uh, it was, uh, I went from our, base airport where I'm based out of is at McCollum, Romeo Yankee Yankee. Went picked up my boss in Lawrenceville and then we flew to Huntsville and I got to shoot two instrument approaches. Um, the cloud bases were 800 feet off the ground and both approaches, we could go down to 200. So it was plenty of wiggle room there. Uh, it's just so gratifying to shoot an approach and break through the, the base and on glide slope, on, you know, lined up laterally, just, just, it's so gratifying. And this time in particular, because the winds were super light. So you're not fighting the the needles to stay on your, um, you know, your alignment with the runway. It was just super easy and and super gratifying. So your track doesn't look like this. That's exactly right. Doesn't look like a snake or something. Um, I, I, and there are a lot of things as a VFR pilot that I like and still like today, I mean, a butter landing is always good, but it's rapidly become um, shooting approaches and then also breaking through, through the clouds going uh, on a climb out is still, it's, it's just, you, words can't describe it. So I'm well, going to drink what, a beer. This, this guy today, uh, the pilot that I met today, he, he also said, you know, the, get your instrument rating. It'll make you a 10 times better pilot. You'll file all the time, you know, and all this. And I just thought, well, if there's anything consistent that I have heard, like I haven't heard one person say like, eh, you know, I mean, get it, but you know, like it's, it's 100% and you're one of those people, Ben, and we talked about that when you flew into Nashville here not long ago and we had some lunch, it's like, that's the thing to do. So, I mean, ultimately when it comes to understanding weather, being cognizant of in-route weather, really knowing or having as many options with weather, I mean, it really kind of boils down to the essential nature of just getting the instrument uh, rating. And, and that's um, something that I, I'm hell bent on doing. It's just going to be probably this fall or uh, end of the winter before I can do it. But I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that all roads lead to, you know, to that. 
I, I struggled with the training. I loved the training, but it's it's very cerebral. It's not about maintaining a 15 degree bank angle or maintaining your altitude. It's there's a lot more to it than that. And and um, just like the whole reason I love this podcast is is that we're all doing this at a later stages in life. We all haven't been to any type of formal education in years for probably most of us. And I really had to hit the books and uh, really kind of think through this stuff. So it was, yeah. um, it was very challenging, but just super, super rewarding. Yeah. So, um, uh, Chris, do you have any offhand, um, thoughts or, or things that you've kind of grokked from anybody that you've, uh, sort of had in passing or, uh, is all, or all you thinking about right now is just, um, I don't know, saltwater rinses. <laughs> well, saltwater rinses horrify me. I uh, I know some people who are really into that whole uh, oh the neti pot. Yeah, and like oh, yeah. <laughs> that freaks me out. I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I'm convinced that it's like I'm gonna pour a brain eating amoeba into my skull and like die. Um, <laughs> what kind of so water you got in West Virginia? I'm thinking about yes. <laughs> Exactly. It's our water. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I'm sure there are things I just enjoy conversing like, like most pilots, like I like talking to anyone and everyone about anything and everything flying related. And so like, I just think contextually the more, um, it's not all right either. I mean, you know, you talk to some people and there's always, there's, you get bad, there's bad people have bad habits and bad advice too. But I think just in the big picture, the, the more contextual conversations and the more people's perspectives on flying that you can hear, um, it really helps to form the bigger picture. So I, I really take any opportunity to talk to anybody. Um, it's a little bit outside of the scope, but like you talked about your experience with Ben and with um, the mechanic, the professor at, at Ocracoke, one of my favorite people to talk to is RAMP. Um, yeah, works on our airplanes. I just feel like I every time I talk to him, I've got some new nugget that I didn't have before about how the plane works, or um, you know, st it's not directly related to, to flying skills that I'm doing, but I I just love picking up uh, tips from him. So well, def that's that's definitely the next level, right? Is you know, whenever you can talk to somebody that's done the interdisciplinary thing, you know, the AMPs that are also pilots, like the professor is or um um uh, or even just you know uh, hopefully everybody heard our last episode uh with uh opposing bases uh, was that last episode last yeah. episode yeah um which you know if you haven't listened to the opposing bases podcast then you need to but um or at least listen to the one that we did with them it was fantastic but i mean but when you get uh people that are pilots and also are certifiably involved in another parallel discipline to aviation, you just get this kind of exponential, uh, effect, you know, of, mm -hmm. of insight, I think. And so, um, so the question really is for Ben, you know, when, when are you going to become an AMP and an air traffic controller? That's a lot to ask for there, Brian. <laughs> in your copious spare time. Actually, while you're I would say, so, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I am truly the luckiest guy I know. And to add on to what you were just saying, the, the guy that I share the airplane with is my brother-in-law and he just retired from Delta. And I'm sitting here uh, bragging uh, last week with my number of hours I have, he's got like over 20,000 hours. <laughs> um, ironically, I have more hours in the airplane than he does. So, uh, but you know, I, I'm always quizzing him and a lot of it's what the airlines did, but there's some 
there is some uh, overlap in, you know, how we should manage our our flight plans and, and weather. A, a big thing for me and the best piece of advice that I'd gotten from him, I, I had not had my instrument ready yet. I was a VFR pilot. And, you know, if there was just a little hint of something that I didn't like about the weather en route, I'd, I'd can the flight. And he, he basically just said, look, as long as you have outs, you can't make it to your destination, but have plenty of other places to go, then just go for it. Don't be scared. Just, you got to start putting yourself out, self out there. And, and it was, you know, it's a fine line, but I started doing that. And that's really where it really started getting fun. You'll never fly in the summer. If, if there's ever anything on the on your path that you don't like, you'll just never fly. That's what I've you been finding. Never fly. You're absolutely, and in the winter, Chris, you've got icing to worry about. And yeah. you know, if there's a thin, I used to be. I'm still afraid of icing. Don't get me wrong, but there would be days when I would see that the freezing level would be at four thousand feet, but there wouldn't be a cloud in the sky, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should go. Or if the freezing level is a little higher, but it was just a thin layer, and you know, you might pick up a little bit. Again. I want to respect the ice and I don't plan on hanging out in it for any period of time. But um, my brother-in-law had done a flight and I was like, God, I, how bad was the icing? He goes, I, you know, I just went through a layer and a little accumulated, but you know, two minutes after I went through it, it melted off. So oh, yeah. it's, it's, we have to be careful. We have to be cautious, but you also ha- have to, it's that fine line of, you got to put yourself out there too. So I feel like I've done a better job of that. The last two flights that we've, I've taken to um, Newport News for work. Both of them had things that were troubling. The, the last trip down, <clears throat> we had like a lot of clouds. Now VFR again. I'm I have other restrictions. I don't have it's you know I have cloud like I literally do have to be able to like clear a mountain and be below the clouds and like legally do that. But there was clouds everywhere, and we had some crazy challenges to like spiral up and around and like get through a teeny little hole that we just kind of picked our way to. And we're like, oh, we can circle up and get above this layer and get through here. So uh, we did that. And then on the way back, I had the first, like the last time I had my first ever experience. And we watched it, we checked it all before we left so we can give in route weather, Brian. Like we saw the front kind of moving through, and there were some scattered showers, you know, precipitation uh, along our route of flight. Um, but we said, you know, that's, should not be a reason to not, I mean, the plane still flies in the rain. So like, that's not a reason to not right. fly. And we flew, um, we had two different encounters with, um, moderate precipitation on our way home. And that was my first real, uh, I've, my first a significant amount of time in rain. Uh, and of course, like everybody says, it's also no big deal and, uh, everything's fine. And that's part of flying, but, but yeah, until you experience it for yourself, you're not going to be able to extrapolate that into the next situation where you have to go through that yourself. Right. And, uh, at one doll geek. Yeah. That's that advice I gave to you. That's where it stemmed from because I was in the same boat as you. The, um, I think there's also a part you can't ignore of, like, I realize sometimes that I have su- subconscious kind of programming of, <laughs> you know, like sort of 1970s uh, movie of the week kind of um, scenes of, you know, so if, if, if it's raining, you know, that immediately means something's wrong because it's about to be, it's about right. to go bad, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I try to, I try to uh, recognize sometimes when it's just sort of like, uh, it's an emblematic 
concern, not based in actual realities of aviation. <laughs> it's, it, but you don't realize sometimes that stuff's kind of back there, right? Like just, it's a little bit of like tapping into some weird, you know, 1979 anxiety or something. But anyway, um, so here's another point um, that I got. So I don't know if you can pull, like, Chris, I don't want to make you do things, but I also... Uh, actually, never mind. So this, so okay. there's there's a guy that flies out of John Toon here. Uh, if you look up, like, I don't know. It, anyway, he's got a TBM, and it's it's like he got the first TBM of some variety or something. That's like the craziest. Yeah, TBM nine hundred. If you if you Google T TBM nine hundred Dale Schneider, um, anybody or Chris or whoever, you can check it out. But it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. There's a, the first video that comes up is he got the 100th TBM 900. And there's this video of him uh, receiving it. And it's just like hyper produced, you know, huge, like, oh my God. Like, anyway, this guy's a very experienced pilot and has a TBM 900. And I, I ran it to him. It was really funny. There was a day where I was out on the ramp and I was, you know, fussing about a flight school plane. Um, and it was right after a big storm had come through. So everybody was coming out to see their planes because all these planes had to be pushed out to the tie downs because we've been short on hangers over here and all this. Anyway, so this guy's got a TBM. It's like the hundredth TBM ever, the sort of special edition TBM. It's just sitting on an old building foundation out on the side of the airport somewhere because that's all we had at the time. But anyway, he sees me and he asks, I guess he, maybe I, he looked, maybe I looked like I needed help or something, but. I don't know. We just ended up uh, chatting and he was, he was inspecting this TBM and wanted me to kind of look around with him. You know, I don't know, just another pair of eyes, just let's try to find anything that's wrong with this plane. We found a couple of, um, yeah, this is him. It's receiving his plane. It's like, it looks like, uh, like, like, a like an Apple product release on acid or something. But, um, I mean, geez, <laughs> It's just like Steven Spielberg produced this guy getting his airplane. Um, but anyway, you know, there was a couple of like, um, uh, oh, oh my God, why can't I remember the name? Just uh, the, the static. Um, uh, static port? No, the um, static wick. Okay. A couple of those yeah. were sort of missing and whatever, but it wasn't anything too bad. But we, we got to talking and we we're sitting out there. It was kind of raining still and. I just felt like I didn't want to bother this guy. Like I was not good enough to even talk to him or something. And uh, yeah, I mean, this plane is outrageous. <laughs> like imagine buying a plane where like it gets unveiled to a crowd and it, you know, it's behind a curtain and all this or whatever. Um, oh my God. And it shows him like, look at this. There, that's the guy. Look at him. He's like, this is great. I'll take it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Look that is my that. lottery plane, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah, that guy, I ran into him on the cruddy ramp at the cruddy airport. And, and I asked him, I said, okay, do you have any nuggets, you know, for a, a newer pilot, you know, anything, any sort of bits of advice that you just feel like you really feel like you should impart, you know, I'm, I, at the time I maybe had a few flights after my check ride, you know, like I was maybe 65 hours or ish. And, I'll never forget it because we had been talking, you know, and it had been kind of a casual conversation. When I asked him to give me a nugget of, of some, some wisdom, he kind of took pause for a second and then he lowered his glasses 
and kind of gave me one of these, you know, like now I'm not talking to you through my glasses anymore. I'm talking to your soul. <laughs> and it was almost like I was being punished. Like all of a sudden he was my father and I just got, it was getting scolded or grounded for something, you know, like that sort of, it was almost like he was pre disappointed in me about something. Anyway, it was kind of heavy, right? Cause he just, like I said, his whole demeanor just changed. And then he got real serious and he looked straight at me and he said these two things. He said, the, and I'd like to talk a little bit about both of them. And obviously people in the chat, please jump in with whatever things you have to. Um, but number one thing is he said, he pulled his glasses down and he looked at me and he said, nothing is more dangerous than a plane full of pilots. And I was like, Ooh. And then he went on to tell me about an incident that he had uh, in a, with a plane full of pilots and uh, I guess a runaway excursion and, Anyway, some stuff happened. So he was basically just explaining that everybody else thinks the other guy's got it. You know, there's some kind of weird psychology that takes place where you're kind of, I don't know, you're either putting, I don't know, there's, it's a weird, you could probably psychologically analyze it from a lot of levels and, you know, three, four pilots in a plane what happens there with people's bravado yeah. or ego yeah. versus, um, just people feeling like, God, there's so many competent people on the plane. Like if that's, if that's a thing, he'll see it. Or I don't know, uh, you know, like, um, I don't know if Steve is in the chat, but, uh, Steve cross. Oh yeah. There's Steve. Oh yeah. I was just telling him this story the other day. We, we flew with some pattern work and I was telling Steve and I make this a point with any pilots that I fly with. I always take a minute in the, you know, before we even taxi. And I just say, look, I have no ego. You cannot hurt my feelings. If you see anything that you don't like that's going on, please say, even if you're not totally sure, um, you know, what's going on. If you're just like, I don't know, but this might be a thing, you know, tell me. Um, and a lot of that comes from what this guy, uh, Dale Schneider impressed upon me. And that just that one moment, cause I just thought, what can I do preemptively to get in front of that too many cooks in the kitchen thing? Was uh was the second thing he imparted on you? Uh, speaking of your video the other day with Steve, uh, was the second thing he imparted on you how to slow taxi like a boss when there are like two inch big birds on the runway in front of you? I thought and you cracked me up. Like I was like, is he gonna get out and like shoo shoo like do <laughs> the birds off the runway? Because <laughs> you were like, it was like bird bird birds up ahead. Sorry. Yeah. You know, it cracked me up. The whole bird sequence cracked me up. You, you, you might not think that I care about animals, Chris, but I, but I do. No, but they was they wouldn't move. That was the thing. It's like they, they would not. You know, we were. I was calling them conscientious objectors. I was like, what are yeah, they? These, these, signs like, or these last three. He goes like this last group. These are the conscientious objectors. They, <laughs> they just would not get. I'm going to lay their life down on that taxi. <laughs> right. That got me good. I was like, yeah, we're gonna have to clean the windshield again, guys. Uh, but you know, so yesterday, or that was a couple of days ago, and then it was even worse this morning. But anyway, uh, I just I really took that to heart, you know, because I do feel like you know, I I've when I first got my um, certificate and I flew with a bunch of other people, not a bunch of other, a few other people that were right at the same kind of point where I was, like brand new private pilot, and I especially you realize that training as much as it's regimented is very different. People get emphasis by certain teachers and certain schools on certain things. And then other stuff that, you know, I might be really hyper aware of. They're not even thinking about, you can just realize how much 
there's a variation on that theme. So anyway, nothing's more dangerous than a than a plane full of pilots, which is why Ben's never been nervous while I've been in his plane. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but no, um, but that's when I in the video that I made. Of course uh, you know. Right. But Ben, you know, like I'm telling you, like I, I talked about it in the video that I made um, that talked about the ochre coke thing. But um, it's really like you have hundreds of hours more experience than I do. Not thousands. Right. right. But by but by proportion, you know. It's so many fold and it's really amazing how uh, just visceral and tangible it is. And I don't know if you have this experience, Ben, with other people that are above and beyond you, but there's just like a, a subtle, it's a, it's, it's almost an, an intangible collective quality about just how it's almost like watching a cook that, you know, a short order cook. That's really, really good. And they're just, they're just making nice with everything. And it's all just one flow as opposed to just kind of uh, maybe a little bit more herky jerky as you're a little bit newer. So this is the reason why I love this podcast so much. And I thank both of y'all for doing this. I was You're welcome to come on boat. anytime, Ben. This is great. Keep going. You're welcome to come on every time. I, I was in the same boat that you and One Dog Geek and probably a lot of the other people that are on this chat. I was not the same guy as I was when I was at 115 hours. I was nervous as all get out. Um, talking through a bunch of things, saying the same things. And, and it doesn't change. I still feel the same way, but you you build that experience and and you you become used to it um i, I wanted to get to um one dog geek had a question that I, that i thought was kind of poignant thank you chris oh yeah how do you draw the line between pushing yourself and pushing your luck and i think that's an awesome question you know i i'm never suggesting don't be safe any as, as i started to push myself further and further it's all planning the outs. Um, Josh Flowers on Aviation 101 talks about this. He's got a three-strike rule. If there's three things that he doesn't like about a flight, he's not going on it. That's a big part. Um, if it's if I'm a VFR pilot and I'm going somewhere where it may be IFR or not, there better be two or three options for me to land at that's not IFR. If I'm right on the line or something. There's, it's not hard to plan your outs, um, your alternatives. And, and quite frankly, the alternatives make for a better journey. I have a quick story if we have time for it. Um, before I got my FR rating, uh, I was doing a pilots and pause missions. Um, I couldn't do angel flight because you have to be IFR rated. And I, I think pilots and pause is a great organization. And it was a project that my youngest son, um, who Maybe wanting he's he's an aspiring pilot. Um, we would do these trips together, and we went and picked up some dogs in uh, Hickory, North Carolina, and we had to fly them down to Cordell, Georgia. And um, we we landed, we got the dogs handed off to the owners, and it was great. And I'd known that there was going to be it was in the middle of the summer. It was you know South Georgia in the heat. Uh, the FBO was this building built in the 1940s and, you know, it was, you could go in, but there wasn't much there. And this thunderstorm had just popped up out of nowhere and we were stuck there. Uh, we landed at five, handed the dogs off. We ended up taking off at 11 o'clock at night. And I was thinking about getting a hotel 
because I was worried about exhaustion. But I felt really good. They had a coffee uh, machine there. They actually made really good coffee. I, I was pretty wired. I was pretty good to go. And, you know, I put my son in the plane. And three minutes after we take off, he's asleep. And I had one of the most beautiful night flights I've ever had. Went right over the heart of downtown Atlanta. Had a great exchanges. We land at McCollum at one o'clock in the morning. And we can't figure out how to get off the airport because everything's closed and locked down. It's uh, got to cut. So we had to jump. But the point is, <laughs> don't skip over that. Oh, we had to jump the fence to get to our car because <laughs> the gates were locked. We didn't know where the gate was to let ourselves out. Um, and I'm sure there's a video of security footage. <laughs> people are trying to get out of the airport and not in. But the point was, is that's a memory that I will never forget. And my son will never forget a fond memory. And it the, did it go as planned? Heck no. But that's, that's part of the journey. Totally true. So to answer the question, plan your outs. If you've got outs or if you've got three strikes against the flight, then don't take it. Yeah. I mean, so the, when you mentioned um, Josh Flowers and what he categorizes as strikeable things, categorically, those things are sort of pretty like broad, you know, it's sort of like what the, you know, the, it could be winds. It could be, um, uh, I don't know, um, fatigue. Yeah. It could be, but it doesn't, you know, all the sort of, uh, kind of all the, the array of all the things you get taught, you know, I'm safe and all, you know, all the things you, you can kind of forget about the sort of hyper categorization, all those things and just go, if there's three of any of these things from any area, then it's it's probably best not to go, but yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, by the way, I've I've landed in Hickory also. I landed there on the way back from the midlife pilot flying, and um, that was a cool memorable. Airport. It was nice, but I remember I came in. I was you know that was the first three hour leg that I'd ever flown, and I was pretty. I mean, I was doing like the sort of like wake up my legs, you know, and just trying to like okay, and really, really interested in getting the plane on the ground. And I'm coming in on a short final and the guy who's holding short is radio under the tower talking about uh, some crazy swans, some huge birds that are just <laughs> swimming, right, right, like swarming right around the numbers. And so they told me to go around. So then it's fine. So then I go around and then I come back around again. And, uh, and it was one of those where it's like, I should have gone around, but I didn't on this second attempt. Cause I felt like in a weird way, I'd already kind of gone around. And so now it's like the, the time you put it down, I should have totally gone around again. Uh, I don't know what happened, but man, I slammed one so hard. That, I mean, I think that the, I think that the controller, he had a little bit of a, t- like when he was giving me taxi instructions or whatever, they, you can feel like when they kind of almost feel sorry for you for how badly you just landed, <laughs> you know, you can kind of hear, like, like all like of a sudden, when the, when the tower starts talking to you, like you're a student pilot again, you know, there's a slight delicate kind of, you can tell that they're like, oh my God, <laughs> this guy. Anyway, so that's my memory of uh, Hickory is I just really planted one down, man. It was bad. I used yeah. to apologize. I used to apologize for my landings. I did it twice. <laughs> uh, after, like, when they would tell me a turn off, like, you know, five two leave and a turn left to Delta, you know, I would say, I left at Delta uh, to the ramp. Sorry about that show or something. And uh, <laughs> I did it twice. Um, and both times, I think 
first of all, I'm not even sure they watch. I mean, I'm not sure they're paying that much attention, first of all. But also they are like, oh, believe me, we've seen worse even today. You know, I mean, they're always like, I'm sure it always feels worse than it is. Like that's been my experience from recording videos. Truthfully, like I will think like, Oh my God, that was the worst landing I've ever had. Like that was, that was unacceptable. And then you come back and watch the video and you're like, I mean, it it really wasn't. It was like fine. your overcoke landing. Wasn't it? With your yeah, exactly. Yeah. The one where well, when you, when I started you doing that, I thought the same thing um, real quick, uh, sticky weasel, um, made made the comment i still tend to invent reasons not to go then then mull it over for days i i i was the same way i absolutely was the same way but i think as you build more hours there's going to be times where actually you find yourself in situations that you didn't intend on that you may in your mind think are bad but then after you've done it you're like oh well that was really nothing and then that's gonna yeah. increase your your um your, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, your, your braveness to, to go out and try to extend a little further. I, I used to just fly to my hometown of Thomaston, which was 80 miles away and, and not very much out of that. And then I decided to kind of jump in feet first. And I took a flight to Dallas, North Dallas last year. And uh, we went up to Oshkosh last year. And now I'm planning a flight to Lincoln, Nebraska. I, I am also expanding my uh, horizon. I'd eventually like to start doing some high altitude flying. We're all in different phases of our journey, but I promise you, I was in the same boat as y'all were. And Brian, I, I can't wait to watch your adventure where you point the aircraft and go for a couple of days. I think that's going to be awesome. Yeah. It was so, um, well, thank you. Uh, we'll see how it goes. But I, I, I was just telling my wife earlier though, we were just talking about the trip I'm about to do and, and, it was just, she just feels so much more relaxed about me doing this trip because it's not to meet people at a specific time in a specific place and it's yeah. not goal oriented or time scheduled. It's just kind of loose. And, um, and you know, she said that just brings my stress down so much about it. And I was like, well, it does me too. That's why I'm, that's why I'm doing it. And really it's the perfect sort of, um, lessons, all the aggregate lessons I got from the midlife pilot fly in. And my experience with all that, it's like now what, if I could do another long trip, what would I do? What would I take off the table if I could, you know, and this way I don't have to see you guys. I don't have to have like, you know, conversations. No, it's, no, it's, that's the only part that's a bummer is, you know, you're just going to be kind of subject to whatever it is, but I mean, I'll, I'll run into people. I'll, I'll find some things. I'll have some unplanned adventures and, and, uh, and it'll be on a schedule that's totally free. But, um, one other thing is, so the, one of the other lessons I got from the midlife pilot flying was when I was preparing for it. And I talked about this in the, um, professor in the stage video I made, I, in preparation for that trip slowly was trying to build up my endurance. Cause I just hadn't done these, I hadn't flown this length and this distance. Right. And so I was over time, you know, I, I flew to Louisville and then I flew to, you know, whatever, just with like one hour flight, two hour flights, two hour flights, two hour flights, getting to some three hour flights, you know, to the point where I could then do, you know, six hours in a day and not completely kill me, which I, I learned two things. One, there's no need to fly six hours in a day ever. That's just not, that's, I've done it. I've gone there, but it's not, I, f I feel like I could two out, like four hours is not a big deal, especially if you spread out two, two hour legs. So that's kind of how I'm framing everything, I think. But, um, but ultimately I just, I, fr I, 
I, when, I, when I thought about how to do this trip, I just thought, um, you know, as far as lessons learned, you know, scale back a little bit of the energy and the expenditure, you know, and, and also in preparation, instead of doing all this cross country stuff, I've just been banging it out in the pattern all week and just getting let, cause w- once you start flying long cross countries, you're just doing one landing a day or whatever. Yep. And, and it messes with you. Um, and so I've just done, you know, a ton of landings in the last week, uh, totally the opposite preparation. Cause I've kind of feel like I've got that other experience now to where that's, I'm not venturing into this unknown, you know, or whatever anymore. So, um, so that's kind of, kind of what I'm doing, but, but that brings me to the other thing that this guy, Dale Schneider, the TBM guy, um, what he said to me with the, with the glasses looking down at me, <clears throat> the other thing he said was, don't let anything or anyone ever distract you when you are landing the airplane. And it's again, one of those things where like, Oh, of course not. You know, but it's like, no, no, no. If you really think about it, you get real casual with your friends or your passengers or especially other pilots, you know, um, when you turn, when you turn final, demand a sterile cockpit if you have to, you know, but especially when you're on short file, you know, like really focus on, he said, but basically put every ounce of your focus into that landing in that moment. And it's real easy when you get kind of not complacent, but just starting to get kind of used to it. You know, um, I didn't have, you know, any terrible landings this week. I had a couple bouncers and a couple of this and that and the other, but I mean, everything was safe and fine. And most of them were pretty good. And, you know, when I was out this morning solo, you know, I was having to tell myself, you know, stay focused, uh, you know, don't get kind of lost in the scenery out here or whatever. So anyway, that was the other thing is just, you know, don't let anything get distracting at all on landings. And a lot of times it can just be the radio things that are going on or, you know, like some weird argument that's happening between tower and somebody, you know, or you just, there's all kinds of, it doesn't have to be somebody in the plane, but anyway, what do you think about that Sage? Um, you, you, You'll get really good at that. And uh, I think Wendell Geek made a comment. Um, but when you're doing your IFR training, the, the way I kind of equate it to is, um, I think it was the uh, uh, Kevin Coster where he was a pitcher and how like the crowd noises would go completely mute and he would be completely focused in on what he was pitching. That's how you are when you're flying instruments on a final or shooting an approach. Yeah. You, you could put a feather to my ear or, you know, thump me on the head. I'm not going to be aware of it at all. You just kind of, the rep, again, repetition, you become, you learn how to focus your, all your attention. It doesn't really matter what anybody else says, but you're right. I agree with him. He's, he's absolutely right. When, when you're in your early stages, it's, it is easy to get distracted. Um, I think he was kind of saying in perpetuity, never, never yeah. lose that. It's kind of what right. he was No, I a hundred percent agree. Um, uh, yeah, but I think I, uh, I think what yeah, but I think videos, what, I'm sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, I'd say I think what Ben's saying though is like you, you as a pilot get better about. I mean, it becomes less about like having to control necessarily whether or not someone else is talking. Like you just don't. It doesn't matter. You don't right, hear it. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. You, yeah. you don't you, hear it Chris, anymore. You're absolutely right. You people can talk all they want to. You're going to be able to block those distractions. Yeah, out. yeah. Um, but it's still a valid point. Um, Today, uh, you, you saw it in your videos. I've got the little hula girl on my top of yeah. my panel. Uh, I was taken off today and uh, caught a gust and picked the nose up and it dumped it in my lap. 
And I had no idea it was there until I was like in route and happened to look down. I'm like, how did that get down there? Over time, you're you're going to be able to train yourself to, to maintain that that uh, focus. Yeah, I think well, I took an airplane off recently, uh, distracted by something as simple as uh, my Apple Pencil had went somewhere I didn't want it to be. And I just thought that at that moment, while I'm barreling down the runway, rotating the airplane was the time that I need to be digging for it and was like, Cecilia called me out on it. Uh, like as I rotated, she's like, uh, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'll leave that for later. <laughs> and like took off and got out of there. But like, it is super easy to do, especially when you get yeah. back in your comfortable, comfortable airplane that you're like, you, you know, you got all your time in and it's like, this is easy now. I don't have to think about this. Uh, Listen, I, I, I still, I had a, I made a mistake. Um, it was, it was pretty, really embarrassing. Um, I took my wife, my, I had a sister move to one of the islands on the Georgia coast. We went down to see her on the way back. Uh, we're taxing. I go do my run up. Um, and I lean the engine to burn off any car, uh, any carbon buildup on the, on the spark plugs and, uh, everything. I check everything. I look over, I do my flows. I do my checklist. Line up on the run rate, full power, and I am not getting anything out of that engine. And I got literally maybe 100 feet down the runway. I pulled the throttle, and I looked at the mixture, and I had left it really leaned out really far. I'm like, you're such a moron. How could you make such a stupid mistake? But we all do it. I mean, nobody is immune to it, and things are going to happen. You just have to learn from it. And, and my wife was looking at me like, why did you abort it? And I'm like, oh, damn mixer. And I turned around. She's like, is it going to be all right to take off? I said, sure. And we put full power and off we went. Oh, look, plane's fixed. Okay, we're all good. <laughs> yeah, that was the cheapest fix I've ever had in that airplane. I can promise you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- I, think, um, I think that's also good to recognize and give yourself some grace on because um, when something really, really is actually wrong, you really want your attention to go to the simple. Don't just assume that you've done all the, the simple things and go and start thinking deeper into the problem than at the, the beginning, you know? So if, if you were, you know, if you're whatever, you accidentally pull your mixture out and your engine stops, you know, it's like, check those things, uh, you know, before you start thinking like, Oh my God, the, the block must've, you know, there must be a, uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, a couple of comments ivy we i tell my brother-in-law i try to practice checklist discipline because you're absolutely right don't no neglect it and it's easy to just rely on flows and stuff but you always back it up with a checklist and and smoky bear air i mean God, i can't tell you how many silly mistakes i've made in the last three or four flights it, it, you're you're never gonna be immune to them just try to learn from them what what uh, what checklist do you use? Do you have a custom so one, actually, or you just use the standard Checkmate ones, or what do you use? Because our airplane has a, a STC for an engine upgrade in, in the stall kit, it came with its own set of um, checklists, and then I took that. and There's a program called Miracheck M I R A C H E C, where you can build your own checklist. Uh-huh. And uh, so, and I laminated those cards, and you can edit it. You can add it to it. Like you could put, I put little funny things in there just to make sure, see if my brother-in-law pays attention. But yeah, um, like Lord's Prayer at the end of the uh, take uh, before takeoff checklist, or you know whatever. <laughs> um, 
Isn't that the whole reason why Van Halen had the uh, green M&Ms thing on their rider for their shows? Probably. Because they're lighting trust guys, I think they were mostly concerned about. And so they wanted to make sure that, that the people that were doing some of the most dangerous things, it was like a way to, conf- you know, they could walk in immediately and see that if there's green M&Ms, then we got to go, <laughs> gotta right. go through all this. We, everything's right. already been done. But um, like the cruise checklist is two items and um, I might not check that every single time, but you know, the, the important ones, um, gumps check every single time, but yeah, I, th- they're making great points is what I'm trying to say is, is that yeah, it doesn't matter if you're hundred hours or 800 hours, it applies to all of us. Yeah. I, I sometimes feel like the verbalizing the gumps check in a 172 is frustratingly aspect like a lot of it's irrelevant you know but i've just really been forcing myself to always say all of the things because i'm not always going to be in a 172 and i want to make sure that that's part of my habit um you know i will yeah even when you even when you come over to an airplane like the 235 you know now you've got propeller and switches matter because of the fuel pump i mean even that you know that's a big difference um So I've noticed yeah. that too, and I try to do it too pretty regularly, and especially thinking forward to like I fly something with you know gear that goes up and down. So like right. that'll be a nice thing to remember. Uh, I, I've never time. flown a plane with a carburetor. Is that so right? I, I, I really don't. I I understand the concept of when you use carb heat and when you don't, but I would be absolutely drilling down on those checklists if I were to get into your one seventy two to fly because I don't have any time in it. Yeah. Well, so you'd have to do sea gumps. Yeah. Wow. That's so, wild to think about. So what you're saying is that I have a special skill that I've refined over time that perhaps you do not have. I guarantee you there's probably a lot of <laughs> skills that you have that I do not. Have. <laughs> I can assure you of that. Hey, well, um, so, um, you know, we obviously we all – uh, pretty much everybody in this chat on some levels, some sort of a video creator or uh, is capturing their, their stuff. Um, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but, um, but Ben, you know, when we were at the midlife pilot flying, I gave you a GoPro. And then I think that since maybe you've gotten another one, is that right? So now you have two and then you've got a, no, just one, just one, one GoPro right now. I'm working it, my way. Like you, I'm, I am slowly easing my way. It's going to be a slow burn. Well, um, but you're quietly, you know, publishing some time lapses and some other things. And so I, I, I can feel it start, start slowly starting to come on. I'm be super excited. I will be very thrilled. And I think a lot of people would get a lot out of it. If you just got, uh, take the GoPro that I gave you and just send it back to me. Cause it's the only GoPro that you can't put a gigantor battery pack on that will last forever. It's the, you know, they've got the, big battery packs for the GoPro. <laughs> yeah. Know, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Four, five, six, seven, and then nine, 10 or 11, whatever it is up to. And so, uh, they just skipped over the hero eight, which is all of my GoPros are hero eights. So what I'm saying all this is for is if you got another GoPro, get one that's not a hero eight, don't get one that matches, get one that's like a hero 10 or whatever, anything else. I don't care what it is so that you can put the long, uh, lasting sort of battery pack thing on it so that, at the very least, getting your comms and just a basic record of the flights because I just feel like I would learn a lot uh, from uh, just you know watching you uh, fly. So no pressure, just 
I think you're giving me and... way too much credit than I deserve. But uh... hey, look, man, I saw I saw how you skirted that 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 MOA. I'm uh, glad you didn't was... have your hand out the window because that would have <laughs> gone inside. <laughs> uh, that was a great lesson. I learned they're actually really watching these things, yep. and if you yep. are even vaguely close to cutting the slightest corner, because you were just—I mean, you were really I was hugging it. I was hugging it. But you're, I mean, you know, and you were just trying to get around, you know, so, uh, boy, that guy came on and that was a very interesting flight too. That's the first time, um, that, uh, I've ever been just a witness to, uh, egregious, uh, cutting someone off on final. <laughs> I mean, that was some guy was at Kurtuk, Chris, when we were coming in, uh, cause we were, we were doing a, an instrument approach. No, we weren't. We weren't? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Positive. I might have pl- I might have programmed it into the the GPS. I usually back oh, up. I'm sorry. Yeah, because you hadn't VFR. filed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So but anyway, we were uh, we were on a straight in, I suppose, and maybe that's the thing. You know, it doesn't work. Well, there's your problem. <laughs> well, but man, somebody just it was. They just turned right in front of us. It was kind of unbelievable. Uh, same altitude, pretty much. Just. It was like they were waving to we us. We were watching. We were watching you. We were, we were watching you from the uh, window oh. of the FBO, right? Because then the second one, if I remember correctly, Ben, you were not super happy with your landing, and I think we talked about that after the after you we guys. Certainly came in. did. Um, it, I, I earned the Captain Kangaroo Award that day. I bounced <laughs> all the way down the runway. What was wrong with all of us? Seriously. Oh, they were yeah, all I had. I mean, it was bad. I think there was a lot of adrenaline, all excited. <laughs> I don't know. Um, one dog geek reminds me that I have, uh, I'm, I'm one to talk about straight ends. Uh, that's, I had a great video of that in Beckley, West Virginia, where I was so mad at another airplane who wasn't talking on the radio, but was flying per- appropriate patterns. I was mad as I'm coming in on like a, 15 miles straight in. Uh, I think I would target for people cutting in front of me. I actually had somebody do it at my towered airport. The the pattern was a lot of uh, training uh, and there was a CFI in this airplane. And, you know, I'm cleared to land number one. And this guy comes right in front of me and the controller comes on and just rakes him over the coast. What in the world are you doing? I said, you're number two. And he just gave him the riot act. I, and he apologized to me. And I'm like, eh, whatever. And I, I sidestepped and, and did a lap in the pattern. But yeah, I guess maybe I'm just a target for people. <laughs> oh, yeah. One dull geek. Look at him. I'm I not trying it. to brag. There's nothing more braggy, right? Than I'm not trying to brag. He's just saying I am bragging because he did. He was putting he them did down. Have very good landings. I, I mean, the whole trip, like yeah. everyone yeah. I watched was like right on the money. I'd like yeah. it noted for the record, all those Cherokee drivers that have those shocks for the landing gear, it's always going to feel good. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, no such thing as a bad landing. See, right? Well, um, so before we go, uh, Chris, do you have any um, updates or t- t- uh, coming soons or things that you want to uh, plug? And we've done a terrible job on this episode of reminding people to yeah, the sharing and subscribing and the pressing buttons around the things that look like positive things to do or leave reviews or whatever. But anyway, yeah, do that, do those things. Um, I've been slow as 
back into my old habits here of publishing videos, but I, uh, I do have one almost done. It's actually an old one, um, that I just never published. It's from the winter, uh, where I was in the right seat in the 172. In fact, oh, the, yeah. the guy I'm with, um, is in the chat. I'm actually Tyler Wamsley is here. Um, he's a club member. He was with me back in like February and we did some pattern work at Clarksburg and I flew from the right seat and that was exciting and fun. So it's just going to be a pretty basic video, but it's back in the 172. And then I have my first, uh, instrument, um, not lesson. I did some hood time building with a safety pilot. Um, we have 5.2 hours with speaking of pilots and Paul's been, we did a pilots, a big pilots and Paul's mission a few weeks ago in the 172 ended up with five and a half hours. Uh, we actually, one of the, one of the legs was, um, an IFR flight plan. We ended up in some actual IMC for a while, nice. uh, flew an RNAV GPS approach. So we had, I got a bunch of stuff in there that was super new to me and, um, but very, very, very fun. And, uh, so um, I'm working on that one. So those will be kind of the next two videos in the pipeline. Cool. And we also have um, a really, really great, I mean, obviously Ben doesn't get much better, but we do have a really great guest coming. Uh, and we'll just keep it uh, under wraps maybe for now. But um, let's just say, we'll just say probably one of the most prominent and talented aviation YouTube content creator people that's out there. One of the best uh, for sure is going to be joining us on this very podcast and it's going to be sometime in the future. And that's all it's going to be. So it's either going to be two weeks from the night or a month from the night. That's my guess. It'll be either the next one or the next one, next one. Uh, But, uh, But it's going to be great. So I've just said a lot of nothing and took a long time to say it, but that's kind of what podcasts are for, I believe. Yeah. Um, if anybody has any other um, nuggets of wisdom, throw them in the comments on this, uh, you know, so they'll be lasting in forever in the midlife pilot archives. And um, uh, let's see, is, is Wendell Geek bragging about anything else or have we satiated Oh, yeah, he's, he's already oh, okay. SoCal Flying Monkey. Yeah, I think I've heard of SoCal Flying Monkey. Yeah, he's, he does uh, have a YouTube channel. Yeah, so, um, but anyway, Ben, I can't thank you enough. Um, and Listen, really, I'm, I mean, I'm really flattered that y'all asked me. Uh, again, the very first episode that I listened to, just everything resonated so well. And uh, for those that are low time pilots, man, just build the hours, get in your planes and go somewhere. That's, that's, that's that's all I can tell you. That's that's my advice. Just take your trip. Just take your trip. One dog geek says that is the nugget of wisdom from this episode, and as from Ben Singer, just take your trip. It's like it's like the sages, the Ken Kesey of aviation. All of a sudden, I love your references. Your other <laughs> reference was, um, but Mister Fuller, and you, I mean, oh. where do you come up with these? It just blows me away. My my CFI made fun of me because he was he used to say that you have an analogy for everything. <laughs> and I, 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 he said that to me, but I would say it's more akin to, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I have no idea who that was. Let's say what? Who was the person you just referred to? The analogy was, I, I don't Ken even, Kesey? I don't know who that is. Uh, just 
Google um, LSD and oh. then see what happens. Awesome. Okay. I guess Just take your you. trip, man. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Let's yes. wrap it up. Uh, but wait, people Thank are complimenting you. me. Can we hold on for a little longer? That you're the Dennis Miller of midlife pilots. <laughs> is, that, is that the one you want, or would you you be preferring the lyrical genius? I think Dennis Miller is quite caustic. I don't know about that. I, I don't know, is he? He's just a little harsh. Nah. Yeah, but you know, is, where is Dennis Miller? Whatever happened to Dennis Miller? Is he is he alive? He's around. He's around. I bet you were a hard student. Oh, it's the worst. I mean, just in terms of like. I bet you did always have something to say about everything. Like it was just like a, like not in a negative way, but I just mean like there was always, it went into this deep space and it was like, um, it had to like really like get all heady about everything. And like, just, it just, I'm sure there were some challenges with that. Well, what's weird is you have some teachers that encourage that and then others that discourage that or de-incentivize that. Yeah. Um, but no, you're, you're totally right. Um, it's, I've had, I've got a lot of problems, but I've just found the right place, you know, just find other people that are, uh, equally equally neurotic people yes. and, uh, and, and celebrate all of our, our problems. Uh, and now we've gotten to the point in life where we've chosen to have very expensive problems. So right. all of us are idiots basically. Um, thanks for all the comments, um, and, and the kind words from everybody again. Um, yeah. I, I really appreciate it. I'm very flattered by it all. It was very fun to have you. Uh, I mean, we've obviously talked a lot, so offline, you know, out of this context, but it was fun to have you on the show and awesome. at, at the beach house and get, on the back get deck. Feeling better, Chris. Thank you. I'm hopeful that, uh, I'm definitely on the upswing. It's day nine, but man, it's, uh, no joke man it's i mean nice it's rinse, nice. man make it go by quicker i'm just telling you oh god i can't do it brain amoebas <laughs> all right thanks for potting we'll see you guys in two weeks and uh maybe a guest maybe not but we'll definitely publish ahead of time when we know like and subscribe all, right. and all that and we'll talk to everybody real soon